we are born, we are swaddled and snuggled, whispered too fussed over, tickled and cuddled. When we grow up, things get muddled, and here it is Christmas time. Oh, it's Christmas time. It's the Roller on the Barrel Vintage Baseball Podcast, talking to vintage baseball players from coast to coast, border to border. I haven't said that line in a long time. It felt good. It felt right. You know what else you haven't heard in a long time? My co-host, Rudy Swampbox Frias. Rudy, how you doing? Uh, two two episodes in a row. I mean, this is becoming a habit. It's supposed to. It's supposed to be a weekly habit. <laughs> uh, we brought you in with Here It Is Christmas Time by Kevin Bacon. Uh you know, I thought this anyway. We love this song, Rudy. Do we not love this song? I mean, I'm, I'm one. I, I'm just angry that Kevin Bacon not only is just uh, a really great actor and an icon of the '80s, but he also has a great voice and released a hot Christmas jam last year. So I thought that was uh, a Bacon Brothers production, but it is not. It's uh, Kevin Bacon with the old '90s, the old '97s, who. Who uh, this is on the soundtrack for the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas movie? If you saw that, uh, the old ninety sevens have a, a song on there too. That's really awesome. And uh, but I learned of the old ninety sevens from an episode of Scrubs. Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's uh, you know that's one of the things that Rudy and I have in common is Scrubs, obviously, because he's my mocha bear. Uh, Rudy, you got a new job. Could you tell everybody how it's going for you? Oh, it's going great. The job is great. The work is has purpose, and it's really something I'm passionate about. The hours are terrible, and I'm currently at work right now. So I don't even have, like, my setup. I don't have my microphone. I don't feel like a podcaster. But I mean, this is this is most important to me. So I made it happen. But work is going great. Excellent. And I got your Christmas card in the mail. Uh, you have a beautiful family. It's right in the prime spot on the refrigerator. Uh, a lot of people got to fight for that prime spot on the refrigerator, and you, my friend, are in it. Yeah. Uh, before we bring our guest in for tonight, let let uh let me tell you and Rudy what's coming up. <laughs> what's coming yeah, up on the show? Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> uh, Matt. Now I now I'm gonna screw up his name. Cotignola. Cotignola. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so before we say Cotignola, I see we're gonna talk about this with Matt about how his name is very intimidating, even though it's not at all. And it's scary. And I just scared myself right into screwing up the name. Uh, but before we talk to Matt, let me tell you what's coming up here before we take our our annual uh, Christmas break of Christmas and January off until we come back in February. Uh, on December 11th, Rudy knows this one, we have a, a gentleman by the name of Zachary Clary coming in. He's a contributor to the Smithsonian Magazine as well as many other uh, publications and blogs and such. Uh, he wrote an article on uh, the last day of August, and the article is 
called the baseball player turned spy who went undercover to assassinate the Nazis' top nuclear scientist. So we're going to talk to Zachary about the article he wrote. It's from World War II. Uh, uh, you probably could have gathered that from the headline. Uh, and, yeah, and how this baseball player, and I have not read the material yet because I like to wait till the week of so it's fresh. So, because I have the memory of a dog. Um, and then on December 18th, which is the following Monday, we have Professor Harvey Rosenfeld coming into the show. He is an author of a book called Baseball's Bastards, uh, Flawed Diamonds of Our National Pastime. This is a book when you think uh, travesties in the World Series, basically. So you think of the Black Sox scandal. Well, there's a whole lot other more scandals than just that one that have happened in the World Series. Uh, one of the topics we'll be talking is about the 1934 Detroit Tigers um, World Series because something crazy went on during that. So, uh, and he's here, he'll be here on the 18th to pump his book, basically. Okay. And then, Rudy, just in today, you're going to love this. Very next night on December 19th, Tuesday. We have Jim Basala and Brian Dooling from the Deep River Grinders. Oh my gosh. We have the original. Oh, Jim Basala is the original grinder. Yeah. I don't know if we're ready. I, we're going to need some kind of content parental warning before that episode. You can't get those two together. So that'll be our last episode uh, until the break on December 19th. We'll also be recording a Christmas episode like we do every year. Uh, and we'll also be recording an all-woman's episode before the end of the year. So uh, won't that be interesting? Rudy and I won't even be there for that. It'll be all women. Uh, today is December 4th, so I have to move Hans Gruber down to December 4th. Falling. <laughs> Falling. Okay. And now let's bring in our guest, Matt Kignola, Cotignola, Cotignola. I nailed it, right, Matt? Beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> excellent job. Uh, nickname by uh, is Chaos, uh, Matt. Like we were saying before we hit record, your name is not scary, but it looks like it could be, and it intimidates people. And then it is it keep Cotignola. Codignola. It's not Codignola. It's Codignola. Co the, so the Ita Italian pronunciation would be Codignola. That's a spicy meatball. People don't speak like that anymore unless if I'm in uh, Epcot in Florida, you know, at the <laughs> Italian pavilion. Um, Have you seen uh, the guy, yeah, the came. Italian guy Codignola. trying... <laughs> Matt, have you seen at Epcot the Italian guy climb chairs as he builds? He's he's putting a chair on top of a chair on top of a chair, and he's climbing it as he's building it, and he gets way up there. Oh, and they got Italian music going at the same time. He's got the, the mustache, the whole nine yards going. I haven't caught that. No, we've been a couple times. I've 
you know, we go to that pizza, the Via Napoli, uh, the pizza place all the time. And it's, uh, I always get a kick when the waiters go, Cotinolo, table for four. I go, oh, music to my ears when, when you hear it that way. But uh, being a school teacher, I hear my name butchered all the time. So it's refreshing to hear it anyway pronounced correctly. So it's, it's good stuff. Rudy, say his name. You're muted. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, I can nail this. Are you ready? Matt. <laughs> there you go. Never wrong with that. <laughs> uh, Matthew Codignola from the Atlantic Baseball Club of Brooklyn, New York, a club I'm somewhat familiar with. Uh, I don't know if you've ever even heard of this show before, Matt, but Anthony Canino is our second most downloaded guest we've ever had on the show, and we're at like 220 episodes, so that's that's pretty good. All right, I tell him I'm coming for a spot. Ooh, I'll text. It. I'll text him after this. <laughs> you got no shot, but that's okay. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was. I was. You know, we tried to contact people from all over the country. So when. So sometimes people contact us and say, oh, you're a little Midwest heavy. Well, Rudy and I would be a little Midwest heavy because we're in the Midwest. So uh, also, and we know, you know, that's where we know most of the people. And then I get people once in a while saying, you're a little East Coast heavy. Well, that's where the best baseball is for one, in my opinion. And, uh, and I've gotten to know a lot of the East Coast teams. I've made a couple of trips out there. Rudy used to play with the Gothams for a season. And uh, he's pretty familiar with the teams, uh, you know, the big ones, at least. Rudy, I don't need to speak yeah, for no. you. Yeah. No, I think uh, since uh, 1998, I've been uh, familiar with and friends with uh, many people in the uh, East Coast and uh, getting the chance to play there for a whole summer. Loved it. Yeah, man, I love, I love East Coast baseball. So, but we, we do want to hit all areas of the country. We really do. And we really try to, when I'm, when I'm booking guests, I contact uh, people from all different regions and for whatever reason, the East coast and the Midwest, they always come through and not so much everywhere else. So I can only do what I can do. I gotta get, I gotta interview people that agree <laughs> to do it. And it doesn't matter where they're from. But the East Coast guys and girls uh, are always so accommodating to the show. So I just want to give a big shout out, even though, should I say, is that still a thing? Do people do shout outs? Is there a new word? Oh, God, I'm old. Um, nope. I still think shout out works. You sound <sighs> so young and hip when you say it, though. Really? I'm going to give yeah. the shout outs to East Coast baseball. Love you guys up and down. Uh, okay. Back to Matt, Matt. So I was going, uh, through my, my normal, uh, procedure of picking a guest and, and I found it, you know what I saw. It just happened recently. <laughs> I yes. saw a picture of you standing at the base of the Rocky statue, something I got a chance to do last summer, uh, or two summers ago now, uh, and you're standing next to Sylvester Stallone himself. Tell me everything. 
right. Well, uh, I want to thank you both for allowing me the opportunity to be on the show. It's uh, quite an honor for me and uh, definitely super excited to, uh, to take part in this. But now to the part that I know you want to hear. So, uh, Sly, um, you know, if I were to show you the rest of this basement, there's a whole other area that's just devoted to Rocky. And, you know, since childhood, you know, uh, my parents gave me, you know, a set of boxing gloves. I was running around trying to be Rocky, you know, reenacting the scene from Rocky Two, where, you know, I'm getting up at the counter, you know, at nine, just getting to my feet while Apollo falls down and you get crowned the champion. Yo, Adrian, I did it. And uh, I've been a Rocky fanatic uh, my whole life. So much that uh, when I got engaged to my wife, I proposed to her and I said, hey, uh, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind marrying me too much. And uh, <laughs> my firstborn son, <laughs> my firstborn son, when he was, uh, when we were going through names, my wife was like, well, you know, I want to, I, let's name him Matthew. I was like, I, how about Rocky? Let's go Rocky for his first name. We don't not name him Matthew. We, you know, Matthew's a great name and all, but let's go for Rocky. So we settled on Matthew Rocky Cotignola. So my oldest boy's middle name is Rocky. And uh, I have another boy who is, uh, he's eight years old, and he is probably the craziest of all of us in terms of he is doing every Rocky training montage while I'm working out in my basement. And he's running around the house like crazy. So uh, we are a Rocky family. Meeting um, Sylvester Stallone has been a huge bucket list item. And uh, the story kind of goes back to, you know, I've, I've, I've met all of my sports heroes. I don't know what it, what it is. It's, it's like one of, the, one of the things I like to do is I just like to go out and try and meet, you know, Dan Marino. I know you're a Dolphin fan, so I got to meet Dan Marino. He's... He's my favorite player of all time, uh, Jose Canseco, although he's probably not, you know, <laughs> the most respected man across baseball. He's my favorite baseball player. We got to meet him. Hulk Hogan, my favorite wrestler, got to meet him. But Sly was always this guy that just seemed uh, unachievable and um, to, to me. But you always felt such a connection to him because I'm, I live on Long Island and uh, Philadelphia is only a couple hours away and I go to Philly quite often. You know, we've done, we've taken part in the Rocky Run in Philly. We've done um, uh, tours of, you know, when when the GPS first came out, we went to Mighty Mix Gym. We went to the Front Street Gym from the Creed movies. We've seen all the different sites, um, his apartment buildings, places he's lived in different movies. I mean, you name it, we've we've seen it. And, uh, you know, going through all of that, um you know, it's it, you you feel like you're part of the movie. So, you know, meeting Sly became just a goal of mine. And uh, last December, it's almost a year to the date, I flew out to Los Angeles to uh, take part in this meet and greet opportunity. It was a dinner. It was called Experience with with Sylvester Stallone. And uh, I went out with my boy, my oldest boy. My wife was like, thought I was crazy, but I said, listen. This is like bucket list stuff. Let me go. And, you know, I said, we're going to put it on a charge card. And I said, this could take care of my next 30 birthday gifts. You don't have to get me another thing for the rest of my life. This is it. Right. And we went to L.A. to go and meet Sly. And in the event, he had gotten through the photo ops. They, my son and I were waiting online and we started to hear he's gone. 
he's gone. And like the people were like, he left. So he left the event before we had the chance to meet him. And uh, we were like, are you, we were devastated. Sure. It was our first time ever going to California. Um, we had such an amazing time. My son and I, it was just the two of us tried in and out burger for the first time. We were, uh, we were in our glory and, you know, we did all sorts of different, you know, crazy things that, you know, another story probably in this whole, this could be a whole nother episode, but, um, we were so devastated. And, uh, you know, we found out later that the event coordinators, overbooked and oversold tickets and that was part of it so you know i just was you know i couldn't believe what had happened i was like i just couldn't believe it we were so close we were so close we actually went to um another instance where we got so close was um his brother frank stallone this is kind of a funny story frank stallone had a concert at the hard rock in atlantic city and we got to the, we got tickets to go to the concert. My wife's like, come on, maybe we'll go. Cause they had advertised Sylvester Stallone was supposed to be there. And he introduced Frank. So the first time I'd ever been in the same room with him. So I was just so excited. So my boys actually got called up out of Frank after singing Take It Back <laughs> in the song. He says, Hey, cause my, my, my youngest had the Apollo Creed Uncle Sam hat and, uh, <laughs> Frank Stallone called them out after Take It Back. We were just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is going on. And they were shooting for the Paramount show, the Stallone show. And they asked, the show was over, they asked us to sign waivers and, you know, to use the boys' footage and, and whatnot. And we were like, um, you know, it would be great to meet Stallone. We're like, hold on, let's see what we can do. And I thought, and, and of, of course, what happens was, like, oh, he – he went to his room. He's done for the night. I'm like, ah, so that's two strike two, strike two. So I had two strikes on me. And, um, recently, so Sylvester Stallone shop did a contest for an opportunity to meet Sylvester Stallone, take a picture in front of the Rocky statue. And my wife is like, this is, this is a long shot. I'm like, listen, I am going to tag because part of the contest was tag three people on every post that you you had, I said I tagged all of my friends on Facebook. I think 450 people. <laughs> I said, and I pleaded with them. I said, please follow this shop. Do what you can do. And uh, teaching, I'm a school teacher, and um, you know, I had to turn on all my notifications for Instagram and all this other stuff. And then I got a message from the shop. Um, congratulations! I just. It popped up on my screen, and of course, Instagram is blocked at school. So I was like, "Ah, oh, is is, am I being hacked? What, what am I seeing here? Someone played a joke on me, and I, I had to drive off campus after the period was over. And, it, and then I read the full message, and it says, congratulations, you know, you have won a golden ticket. So I felt like Willy Wonka, Charlie Bucket. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have this opportunity to go and meet Sylvester Stallone. And... Um, you know, they, they forwarded some emails and uh, they said, all right, show up yesterday, which was December the 3rd, uh, right at the Rocky Steps. At the base of the steps, there's going to be um, an experience like a, he, he spoke at the, um, they dedicated the day, December 3rd, they called it Rocky Day. And uh, he came around like 11.45. It was raining. It was cold. So that was an interesting experience, but it was all worth it in the end. 
and um, he spoke and then other people from the city spoke and they gave him a key to the city. They, they officially declared Rocky Day in Philadelphia. And then he started to head over and he, you know, cut the uh, ribbon to the new sliced alone shop that's set up right next to the Rocky statue in Philly. Oh. And uh, they, they walked him to the, to the statue and I was the second person online to meet him. Um, another gentleman uh, was in front of me that was also at that event in Los Angeles. So the two of us actually, um, we had the opportunity to be in a VIP area for his speech. And we both chose not to do that and be there and just wait online to meet him because I said, I am not missing out this time on this chance. <laughs> right, this, right, right. this is it. <laughs> I said, I am waiting here. That's it. I'm not moving. It's good. Um, and uh, so they, they ushered us in. Uh, and there was the man himself. So um, I guess you want me to keep going. I apologize. No, <laughs> do not much. apologize. Every <laughs> detail, please continue. Right. <laughs> so my family part of the photo op process because they were very strict with not including extra people to try and keep it down to a certain number, I guess. So they were able to follow me up to the point all of a sudden Chevy Chase from Christmas Vacation is standing there too. He was there. So Chevy Chase was like two feet from me. And I'm like, oh, you know, Clark Briswell. And I was ready to ask a picture, you know, take a picture with them. And then they're like, they called me up for Sly. So I said, all right, sorry, Clark. I got to gotta go meet Sly right now. And uh, Sly, uh, I just was like, I, I just, it, I don't know what it was. I walked right into him. He pulled me into his shoulder. It was like, you know, what, what, how to explain it? It was it was uh, it was just surreal. Um, and he's going, "Thank you for coming." You know, you hear his voice, "Thank you for coming." And I and I, you know, then they're like, "All right, smile, take the picture," and then doing the fist up photo and um, and like you know, Sly, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you know, that little boy over there, his name is Matthew Rocky, and that little boy over there is my training partner. So he waved at my boys. And I said, just God bless you. Thank you so much. And then they, they usher you out. They give you your little uh, QR code for, for the, uh, you know, the photo. And then I had to sign another waiver for the, um, the Paramount show. So I don't know if they'll use that footage at some point. But, you know, then I sounded like I was floating on a cloud. It was uh, something else. And, and that, was, that was the meet and greet. It was very, very quick. But it still hasn't quite... Uh, settled yet for me that it actually happened. Like, I, I, I'm in shock still. So, okay. And now Rudy and I are going to pepper you with Rocky questions. Here we go. I'll go first, Rudy. All right. In hindsight, are you glad the first two things fell through so you could get his picture at the Rocky statue? This was like you know where a I'm a I'm a person of faith, so I I do believe that you know God funny way of you know uh, uh, of making things work out for you you know like when you want something so bad that you know going through what I thought was just a horrific thing because the, the the positives of it and I always try to find the positives of everything was we had an amazing trip my son and I and it's a trip that we'll never ever forget like we got to go to the gold gym in Venice and <laughs> it's funny enough we were when we got there 
they said, oh, you just missed Arnold Schwarzenegger. So <laughs> we, we, just, we just missed Arnold. But before Meet and Fly, we met Arnold in New York City signing a copy of his book. So go figure. Like, that came back. We got to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, so we just feel that, like, I don't know, always in my heart, I felt like I said, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And what my wife is like, she's like, listen, don't get your hopes up for this thing. I said, oh, I am taking every single person that I know. I said, I, I, it, it, it has to happen. It has to happen. And sure as anything, it happened. So, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better photo op situation than with the man at the statue. That's doesn't get better than that. So, R- Rudy. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it sounds like you had sensory overload when you got to see and meet Sylvester Stallone in front of that iconic statue. So I forgive you and you get all the grace if you cannot answer this question because it, I would just be overloaded with all the sensory uh, going on. What does he smell like? <laughs> like, uh, he, well, he smells mainly like a jungle cat. I mean, rat. Oh, no, jungle rat or cat. (laughs) He smells like beast aftershave. (laughs) Matt, what is your favorite Rocky movie? That's a great question. So I kind of go back and forth where younger, younger version of me was always Rocky 2 because I liked the aspect of him winning the title. As I've gotten older, I've gotten more of an appreciation for the first one. So... The first one is like a 1A and 1B, but the most sentimental one to me is Balboa, the sixth one. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, I, I just, that movie was actually the first one, I'm 40 years old, the first one I was able to ever see in theaters. Um, and it came out the year that my wife and I got married. So we actually came back from our honeymoon. Our anniversary is coming up on the 16th. And uh, we came back from our honeymoon. And I had plans to go from the airport to the movie theater to see Rocky Balboa. We were so just excited to see it. And uh, the airline lost my luggage. (laughs) I wasn't able to go. I was so frustrated. So we ended up going after Christmas, but then I saw it three times in theater, but in the theaters, but that movie, um, and it's funny because when you listen to Sly's uh, interviews, that's the one other than the first one that he's probably the most proud of. And for me, um, that movie just you know, was just fantastic. The speech he gives to his son outside the restaurant. We went to that restaurant um, after meeting him. I made reservations to go to the Victor Cafe, which is the uh, where they use for Adrian's restaurant. And being in there, you felt like you were in a movie set. So I told my son, I was like, I remember when you were just, you could fit in the palm of my hand, you know? <laughs> and I spoke right in that, right uh-huh. that cross section uh, where Rocky delivered that speech. So. Um, you know, to have two boys, that was, uh, it was just surreal to be in the footsteps of, of, of that iconic moment. So I would say one, two, six. But to me, every single Rocky movie, it's my favorite franchise of all time. Like, there's no other movie series that holds a candle to it. I mean, I love movies. I love Back to the Future. You, you name it. Uh, uh, Die Hard. I have that uh, advent calendar that you have as well <laughs> with with Hans Gruber, which, by the way, when we were in Los Angeles, we were right next to the Nakatomi Tower. That's where the event was taking place. So I was going, welcome to the party, pal. I must have said that about 17,000 times in uh, in Los Angeles. But, yeah, it, uh, I love them all. So. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you to go ahead and rank them. One, two, six, finish it out. 
one, two, six, probably three, four, five. What about? Because I love that. Isn't there two, another six, one? three, four, five? Are we including the creeds? No, we don't have to include the creeds. No, we don't want to complicate things. Uh, so well, the first first creed was fantastic, but you know, then it then it started to yeah a little bit but, as it does. One, um, one, two, six, three, four, five. Rudy, what's yours? My ranking? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> two, four, three, one, five. No, three. Six, one, five. Two, four, three, six, one, five. Yep. I'm just writing mine down right now. I have to decide. What's yours? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I got it. Mine's four, two, three, one, six, five. Uh, yeah, so... I just love Rocky four. I did. I I've always, since the first day I saw it, I'm like, this is one of the best. It, this is one of the most intense movies I've ever seen. I was the way it made me feel. I'm like this. I didn't feel that way in Rocky one and Rocky two. You feel that I feel a certain way during those are longer, more acting. There's a lot more acting in one and two. Uh, and four, it's just, it just pummels my senses and uh, and I love it. Uh, also, I'm Eskimo buddies with Mr. T, so three has a has a <laughs> has a uh, a place in my heart. Uh, <laughs> and we all agreed on five, and that's that's the worst piece of crap I ever. Anyway, uh, Rocky three, first movie I ever saw by myself at a movie theater. We had a movie theater that was I want to say about six blocks away in a small town. And, uh, after the movie was done, I ran home and I'm throwing punches and bunches on the way home running. I was, uh, I was so geeked and out of my mind. So, uh, we all have an appreciation of, of Rocky. And, uh, I think most of the world does that. Those are amazing stories. Uh, love them. I all. have to ask you guys a question. Sure. Did you like the director's cut? Did you watch that one for Rocky four? I don't think I've ever no. seen the director's cut. I, I, I guess I, I guess I wouldn't know yeah. if I've seen it, so to speak. Like if it just, it wouldn't just run across television. It's a lot. It? No. Uh, so during COVID, he spent. You can buy it on Amazon Prime now. Oh yeah, I no, you, I haven't you know, seen it. No, nope. to purchase it. But um, spent all of the time in COVID when he wasn't making any any movies. Um, to redo and remaster that movie where it almost feels like you're watching a new movie. It goes from, what, an hour and 30 minutes where the original movie is done in a flash to this becomes a two-hour spectacle, and he changes the intro, uh, the whole thing. But uh, it's, it's an interesting movie. It, 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 it's a little different. It strikes the same chord and all that stuff. But uh, I definitely, as a high school history teacher, I use the clashing of the gloves from the opening of Rocky four as my intro to the cold war every single year. And I tell the kids, I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing burpees in front of you all right now, because when you hear I have the tiger, 
I think you just start doing jumping jacks or whatever it is. It's it's incredible. That 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 whole soundtrack from that movie is uh, you know, that's just spectacular. So. <laughs> you uh, you you were dancing around to a two questions that I want to ask a little bit. So uh, let's get into the most recent one that triggered it for me. Uh, music is a critical part of all the Rocky movies. All right. Now, let me ask you this question. Um, throughout all the Rocky movies, what's the one song? And, and you don't have to, it's not like you're picking your favorite. It's not Sophie's Choice. What's the one song that you will like get pumped up for every time? Oh boy. Let's see. Ah, uh, that's a great, that, that's a, that's a great one. Cause there's different, different songs, different moments. I feel yeah. like I, the tiger going to fly now is I love them so often. So maybe like burning heart. I love pulling up to school with it's a burning heart. That's a great one. But hearts on fire, I think is the one that oh, if I need that extra rep, I need to make that extra press or run extra fast or finish something. Hearts on fire is the one, you know? That's the right answer. Yes. <laughs> we actually had in an earlier uh, episode, we had a big hearts on fire outro to one of our episodes. I was just yelling a bunch of stuff. It was amazing. <laughs> this is the exact song I would have said to answer that question. I mean, it yep. just builds and builds and builds and oh my god! <laughs> that song, when we went to that Frank Stallone concert, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band opened for Frank Stallone, and they played "Hearts on Fire." Uh. My son was doing push-ups in the aisle. It was just <laughs> surreal. Again, hear, hearing that song live. That Stallone introducing them, it was like you, you you just can't you can't you can't beat it. That's it. That's the one. Frank Stallone, incredible career. I wonder how Sly feels about being the second most popular Stallone brother. <laughs> he is a character, Frank. He's uh he's he's funny, you know. But uh, he his concert was fantastic. He was really really good. So. Did you meet Jose Canseco on the Bigfoot tour? So I met him at different signings. Uh, just um, first time, he may have just juiced the book that changed baseball. So he, he, I think I saw him on around that time frame. And then uh, a couple other smaller shows. So I just, you know, like I met him once when I was with my wife and we were, we know children. Then I met him once with just my oldest. And then I said, All right, I want to meet him one more time with my, with both of my boys. So I can get that experience of being with them for him. And he's kind of like, you know, he's, he's an oddball. He's not uh, the most well-respected, but in the eighties growing up, he was the man in baseball. So I, uh, you know, Dean Emma, my teammate makes fun of me because he makes fun of my swing. He's like, stop swinging like Canseco. And 1864 doesn't really help you too much to, to swing like Canseco. I'm a, I get a lot of B7s, but it's, you know, it's fun. <laughs> no, the, the Dream Bucket's just jealous. He wants to swing that cool. There you go. <laughs> Matt, you said you're a high school history teacher, and it's also noted that you teach sports in your American history class. Explain that to us. Tell us some of that. 
Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for asking. Um, you know, I, I went into um, becoming a high school history teacher, have a deep love of history. Both my grandfathers were World War II veterans. So I got into history just by sitting at the dinner table for holidays, listening to their stories. And um, when I went to college, you know, initially wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I wanted to be on WFAN, which is uh, our local sports radio station and be like Mike and the Mad Dog mm -hmm. and have a radio show. But I said, you know, it, it was going to be a lot, the traveling, all that stuff. I said, you know what? But teaching is probably really where I, I would love to love to go. I had a high school uh, English teacher who was my baseball coach. He has such a tremendous impact on me. And, you know, uh, it was through the relationships I forged with those teachers that inspired me to want to become a teacher. So I knew that I had a love of history and a love of sports. And I taught U.S. history. I've taught all the classes you could teach in a high school setting, whether it be global history, one, two, economics. I've taught participation in government, U.S. history. Um, I had a director who was, retiring actually the year of COVID she was retiring right before that whole craziness went down. And I said, you know, I had been playing vintage baseball for, for a little bit. And I said, uh, we really need to have a class and elective at the high school, a sports history class. She's like, what does that mean? I said, well, I play old time baseball. So what's old time baseball? I said, well, she actually works with, um, old Beth page village restoration. She helped uh, get that armory that's there, uh, not far. I don't know. Have you ever, you've been to Old Bethpage, right, guys? For an event? Have you ever been out uh, our way I to Old Bethpage? Brought, I brought the podcast out there two summers oh, okay. ago for the Doc Adams Festival. Beautiful. Oh, okay. Excellent. And, so, yeah, uh, she's, yep. she's a very big into that historical society. And um, she said, listen, put in for it. You got nothing to lose. And, she retired and hadn't heard anything. And then next thing I know, uh, an email comes back to write the curriculum for the sports history class. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, you're going to get two sections of teaching this. So I have a, it's a semester based course. So I have the kids for, uh, you know, for two quarters, you know, half the year, basically. And then I get another batch. And they're like, build the curriculum. So I said, all right, I know where I'm starting. I'm going with Ken Burns baseball, episode one. And I'm going from there. I'm going to talk about uh, the, the, the growth of baseball, how it wasn't double day and get into the history. And, um, you know, and then I said, my goal is to get these kids outside and actually play old time baseball. Yeah. And the t they said, absolutely, you could do that. Just, you know, be safe and, and all that other stuff. And a lot of people just like, well, what is old time baseball? And then when I tell them, they're fascinated by it. So it's been it's been a great uh, little tool. So. You know, we, we cover all sorts of things about how sports and history uh, are connected. I use the speech that James Earl Jones does from Field of Dreams, which uh, is my favorite baseball movie. That and The League of the Own are my top two. And, uh, you know, talking about the connection of sports and history, he says America has been built like an army of steamrollers, a race like a back blackboard, rebuilt the race again. But baseball has marked the time. And I, I tell the kids, I said, well, how erase baseball? Because a lot of them don't come in with, you know, baseball as their favorite sport. Some of them like basketball, hockey. I said, take any sport and tell me, how has sports been impacted by history? How has it marked the time? And I show 
the 2001 uh, Game 3, George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch after 9-11 as a way to kind of introduce that connection. And I say, what does that say about the country? How did the crowd respond to George W. Bush? And we get into a nice discussion. We talk about the dream team, all sorts of things. So the class starts with um, baseball and the evolution of baseball. And uh, I use the Ken Burns series to do that. Then I do a little uh, lesson on the different rules of baseball and how they've evolved over time. And I said, all right, now we're going to put into practice. Let's go outside. And uh, I show them my Atlantic uniform and I bring in the bats and the balls and um we, I don't let them use like our game use stuff that we have. Uh, I show them the ball, let them, you know, touch it and say, you know, hey, we use no gloves. And uh, I use a, it's like an indoor baseball that they would use for, you know, the, the baseball teams they use. It's like that foam ball, but it travels enough and they can catch it. And, uh, you know, we use that just because <laughs> I want to continue to be able to play old time baseball. We've got some kids all variety of different ability levels. And I think the it's been the most rewarding thing that I've done in teaching is being able to do this class. I actually, I pinch myself sometimes when I go into work because I say, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. So on the beautiful days, the, the kids eat it up. They say, can we go out and play baseball today? I'm like, oh, come on, guys. You know, I got, we actually have to teach you some things in this class, but they want to just play old-time baseball. It's been fantastic. So. Uh, it's wonderful to hear of a history teacher explaining the reality of baseball in the the that double day didn't have anything to do with it you're teaching the right <laughs> history to kids yep. and they're hearing it for the first time you see they don't know any better just like when we were kids when we're hearing things for the first time we didn't know any better and we're like oh double day invented baseball uh so at least you're teaching kids the right way and i hope that you put every history teacher you come across in a headlock and demand that they teach about baseball the right way. So we can, maybe that'll get the wheel rolling on reality with everybody. It's great. The kids have been very, very receptive to it. And it's funny to hear them use the terminology. They're saying, huzzah, good ginger. And then I show them the episode of Ken Burns, where they talk about candy Cummings and the uh, curveball. (laughs) And they, uh, to hear them use the reference, they make fun of each other. Like, Oh, okay. Look, there's candy Cummings. He's pitching. (laughs) I think they just just it, it, it's fun to hear them use the lingo outside of vintage baseball. So it, it, it's fun. Uh, that is wonderful. Uh, Matt, you were talking earlier while you were in uh, Philadelphia, you took a Rocky tour. I know we spent a ton of time on Rocky, but I got to ask, is there actually a Rocky tour? There is like a bus, so, like you get on a small bus or something and you go from, from location to location. So there's a gentleman that does tours. His name is Mike Kunda. You can find him on Instagram. It's called the Yo Rocky film tour. I'm actually scheduled to take a tour with him in February. We've, uh, we've become friendly through, you know, um, Instagram messaging back and forth. Um, and he does a tour and my friends did it. Um, cause he was asking me same question you did. Now, when I toured Philly, I looked up, there's a movie, there's a site you can go to. I think it's called total Rocky. I can send you the link after this, but it has a list of all of the, you know, addresses of every, everything you could want to go to. So, 
um, through the years, I've I've seen you know Mighty Mix Jim a bunch of times, his apartment from Rocky One a bunch of times. Um, we've seen this past in last February, my nephew's birthday. I said, all right, what do you want for your birthday? He's like, well, what do you get these kids? It's like this. They said, listen, how's this? I'll take you to Philly. We'll get cheesesteaks and I'll give you a Rocky tour. And we took them into uh, See Mighty Mix. We took them to Front Street Gym from Creed. We went to, this is kind of bizarre, but the cemetery that they have the headstones for Paulie and Adrian that he uses from Balboa and Creed. So you go into this cemetery and it's not with other headstones. They've got it like near the bathroom. So it's like you don't feel like you're being disrespectful by going in there to see it. And, you know, people have like a set of glasses on Adrian's tombstone. There's a liquor bottle on Paulie's. And it, it, it was really interesting to, to see. So uh, we've seen that. Um, we went to the church where Father Carmine gives them the blessing, Rocky Two out that window. We saw that house uh, that Paulie and Adrian lived in. We've seen uh, a ton of, of the sites, but this guy, Mike, who does these tours, Rocky impersonator, he won a contest, you know, a lookalike of Sylvester Stallone contest, but he's got a great story. We're actually going to go on tour with him in February because there's, I'm sure there's even more places that I didn't even know existed that I, I just want to eat it all up. So sure. we're doing that in February. So I'll give you the review. And uh, if you make it out to Philly, definitely, uh, Absolutely. Well, I went out to Philly and, uh, we took in, I, I took the fam, we took in all the historic sites. So we did independence hall and Liberty bell and all that stuff. You really need to go see, if you go to Philadelphia, you got to see that stuff. Uh, and, and I didn't want to bore my family with Rocky too much. Uh, so, but we did go to the library steps and I did, uh, like so many people before me run the steps and uh, I jumped around when I got to the top, and then I went over, I uh, went over to the side there and got my my picture taken with the statue. And uh, I tell you what, I was on cloud nine. Uh, it was uh, it was amazing. But that's all. Uh, I also fell in love with Philadelphia. Wow, I didn't, I didn't, I hate Philadelphia sports teams. So I really thought <laughs> I went in with a negative attitude towards Philadelphia. And, and I'd have been just happy just to leave there and be like, all right, whatever, I did it. But, damn, I loved Philadelphia. It was amazing. So I'm yeah. definitely going back. And this Rocky tour is right up my alley. Yes, I am absolutely. Not gonna, I'm going to buy tickets to, to a tour and not tell my wife. And we're just going <laughs> to go. And she's going to have to deal with it. Yo, hey. Absolutely. Uh, the Atlantic, the Atlantics traveled to Frankenmuth, Michigan, a few years ago for the uh, Vintage Baseball Festival. Did you make that trip? No, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make uh, that trip out. But I heard about it. Uh, my good pal uh, Jimmy, the they call him uh, Frenchie or uh, the Cannon. He, uh, I think, he did that Mightiest Striker uh, contest. Oh he's, yes, he did. Uh, he's a good. He's a he's a good pal of mine. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was sad to not be able to go, but I, you know, when we go on these big trips, we, I knew we were doing, um, feel the dreams this summer. So I said, oh, all right, I gotta, I got a budget. I got a budget for that the following summer. So I, 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 I unfortunately couldn't make it out, 
but I've been to Michigan before. I was there for WrestleMania. Three? WrestleMania 23. Oh, uh, WrestleMania 23. 23. I was there too. I had my boys in the, in the crowd. Uh, yep. I, uh, we were, it was amazing how many people were around Ford field before you got in, before they opened the doors, it was just blocks of people. And you'd see, I saw like way off in the distance, the doors open finally, and there's the big cheer and everything. We didn't move for 45 minutes. That's how many people were there for WrestleMania. It was, uh, it was awesome. Myself that my friend and I never, we went because my friend, we're a big Hulk Hogan fan. So we were at WrestleMania 18 when he fought the rock. We went to Toronto for that. And, uh, we are kicking ourselves because we said, Oh, let's go. If they ever go back to Detroit, WrestleMania three slammed Andre at the silver dome. We, we wanted to go to the silver dome just to see it. And I think we probably could have like even snuck in and gotten a piece of the seat. Because it was still up, I think, when 23 was going on. And then I think they destroyed it after that, right? Yeah, it was up, but they but nothing was happening there. So Yeah, so like I just would have liked to have seen the site, you know? But it was cool. Ford Field was, was something else to uh to see. It was uh and and that was the one where um that was the hair versus hair for Trump, right? Y- yes. Yes, it was Bobby Lashley uh, my, against my Umaga. Students. I joke with my students. I say, guys, I saw the president of the United States in a hair versus hair main event. I said, so <laughs> <laughs> got to see him tackle Vince McMahon. So that was funny. So, and he threw some, some he threw some punches and, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, and he also took uh, a stunner from Steve Austin. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we talked about Hulk Hogan. Uh, we brought up wrestling. We usually keep wrestling for the end because people are like, "Don't talk about wrestling until the end of the episode." <laughs> so if we don't get in, if we don't get in ten minutes of vintage baseball talk, people are going to lose their minds. But not me. This has been one of my favorite episodes <laughs> that have ever happened on this show. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I got to agree. This is stellar. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you, guys. Matt, how did you come across vintage baseball? So uh, Vintage Baseball, uh, Dean, the Dream Bucket, Emma, and I uh, work at a baseball camp in Smithtown. We've been doing that since high school. So I worked with him every summer, and um, eventually we became teammates on a softball team, uh, which is going to be part of how I got the nickname Chaos. So that'll be, you know, I, I'm going to have to let Dean explain that one because I still don't quite understand how I got that name, but I'm sure he has an explanation for it. Uh, but um he, we were teammates on the softball team, and then he said, oh, you got to try this out. You're going to love it. And uh, in 2009, the Atlantics were playing out at Orient Point, which is at the end of Long Island, uh, and it was one of their sponsored events. They were bringing them out to Orient to play, and they needed some players, and he said, would you like to try this out? And uh, from that first moment, I was hooked. It was just it's such an incredible experience because I said we played softball before I played baseball before, but this was unlike anything I've ever done. So it was back in 09 that that happened. And my wife, she was, you know, loved it too. She loves to, you know, and that's been one of the great joys of doing vintage baseball is that my family has always been a part of it. They come with me to all the road trips. We, we've gotten to see some uh, incredible cities. You know, whether it be Boston, uh, Philadelphia, um, 
we were in Pittsburgh when we went out west to play uh, in Pittsburgh. We were in Minnesota and Field of Dreams. So they love coming on these trips with me, and it's been um, it's just been an incredible experience. So it became a full time Atlantic uh, shortly after that. You know, I think I helped them out a couple more times for a few more seasons, and then got asked to to join the team. And uh, that's how I got on the Atlantic through through Mr. Emma. So Mr. Emma is a pretty intense individual. Uh, how many games did it take you to match that intensity? <laughs> well, he is a, first off, he's uh, he's an awesome teammate and uh, he's an awesome friend. And, um, but he has high expectations, you know, and he's a person that, you know, expects things to be done. And I think part of my reason for being chaos is, when we're in rundowns, you know, he's expecting me to do the right things. And sometimes rundowns can be a little chaotic. So he goes, ah, chaos, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we have fun. But, you know, he, he, he can help bring out the best in you. And uh, there's, um, I think, no finer uh, player in, in the vintage game. He's, he's one of the best out there. So I'm honored to be his teammate. And, uh, you know, I always feel good whether I'm pitching, knowing that I got Dream Bucket behind me playing defense. So he's a, he's a, he's a, he's great for that as well. So. Uh, Matt went to Hofstra University, the Flying Dutchman, until they changed their names to the Pride. <laughs> Matt, why the name change? Oh, geez. Uh, let's see. So I think when I was there, they were the Pride. But they had just made the switch. And I think it's part of all of the name changes that have been going on. Like right now, all Long Island schools are changing from Native American, you know, anything that has to relate to Native Americans, they're, they're trying to get rid of it. So Chiefs, Warriors, all those teams are now looking to, you know, being forced to change. Some of them are finding it in court. I think with the Dutchman, it goes back to, possibly the slave trade, I believe something to that effect. Um, and they decided to change to the, the, to the pride. And I think that that's, that was the, the rationale with that. The flying Dutchman, isn't that the, the ship that is in the pirates of the Caribbean where, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Kieran Knightley, Davy Jones. uh, Orlando Bloom has to be the captain of it after they kill Davy Jones. Right. Yeah. Or something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rudy, do you have any other questions for Matt before we give him the old pepper? And then after, so this is how this is going to go, Matt. We're gonna we're gonna end the episode. And we're gonna do a little thing we do uh, that call that's giving you the old pepper. It's just a bunch of quick questions with quick answers. Uh, it's rapid fire, uh, and then after that. Everyone's going to be free to leave the episode and not listen anymore as we talk Miami Dolphins football. Uh, for, <laughs> that, this will be a little great. bonus time for people. Rudy, you, <laughs> Rudy, when we're done giving him the old pepper, you can you can go home <laughs> because we're talking Miami Dolphins football, and I'm going to keep it recording on the audio. If you want to stop the video and go home, you go right ahead. It'll be an audio only presentation. The Miami Dolphins will. I love it. And, uh, I love it. 
Uh, but we, I think we got 15 minutes of intense Miami Dolphin talk that we need to get to. So uh, do you have any <laughs> other questions? Rudy, do you have any other questions for Matt before we go with the giving the old pepper? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Matt, there's so much, as Barrel Roller says, meat on the bone. And, you know, I know every, you, you've talked about Dream Bucket, TC, the Atlantic. So naturally, that triggered some questions in me that I wanted to ask you. Um What's your favorite Rocky training montage? <laughs> uh, let's see. Training montage. Uh, Matt, this has got to be Rocky Four in the snow, yeah. in the cabin. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's what I see. Yeah, four. Four. Doing, doing the uh, military press yes! with Adrian and Paulie, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going, going, up, going up the mountain screaming Drago. I mean, you get two for the price of one in that movie. You get two training montages, you that's, know? That's true. And that completes my question. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was an amazing question, though. Uh, that's why Rocky Four is the best of them. Here we go. Welcome to the party, pal. All yeah. right. Oh, yeah. It's diehard season, you know. Uh, if I'd have known that... that Matt, you are going to be like a brother to me after this episode because we <laughs> we are in sapatico. What's the word? Sapatico. Sapatico. Yeah. Of everything. Uh, Die Hard, uh, Rocky, the Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia. I am, I'm very disappointed. I didn't have a lot of Die Hard to go over with you. Anyway. I, Matt, I will tell you this before I give you this list. We were so close a couple of years ago. In fact, uh, Matt, if you go back in the archives, we actually do an audio reading of a book, A Very Diehard Christmas or whatever the name was. I don't remember the name of the book. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a yeah, book. That's it. Uh something like that. And uh and then we've had a diehard watch along. We've had Many diehard episodes on here. Uh, if you go back, oh, that's fantastic! That's uh, fantastic. I'll, I'll have my annual viewing of that movie quite, quite, uh, quite soon. You know, it's going to be fantastic. So it's great. <laughs> All right, here we go. Giving you the old pepper. If you were forced to eat a box of crayons, what is the first color you would start with? Red. What is your favorite horror movie? To me, Jaws is a horror movie. Yes, <laughs> it is. I don't swim in a I don't swim in a pool comfortably or the beach. I go I up count. to my knees. I'm I'm still afraid of Jaws. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I believe you're a New York Yankees fan. Is that correct? Name me an overrated New York Yankee from any time. Uh, a New York Yankee where everyone's like, that guy wasn't that good. And you'd be like, yeah, they might. Oh, my God. You might be right on that one. There's about 100 we could list. I mean, Giancarlo is one of them right now. Uh, he has not delivered very well for that. Rodon, <laughs> that was a bust. Uh, Jason Giambi was one that uh, he had a few good good years with them, but they never won anything in those years when he was here. So. 
Uh, those are ones right off the top of my off of the top of my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the yeah. answer was Derek Jeter. Okay. Are you allergic to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> Derek Jeter. No. Come on, Derek Jeter was a very good baseball player. Very good. I there's no argument on that. But he's yeah. he's overrated for what he How was. How can I mute you? How I can't no, mute you. I'm not thing. saying he was bad. I'm not even saying he was just good. He was very good. But for the no, reputation he has, no. it's wrong. He's not you that good. You don't need good. to explain it. We heard you. All right. Matt, are you allergic to anything? Matt, what is your shoe size? It depends. Certain brands fit differently, but I'm about 12 is probably the most common. Dress shoes is like an 11 and a half. <laughs> what is the favorite baseball card you've ever had? Can I do a football card? Because the Dan Marino rookie card. Does that count? It counts to me. To keep it, baseball? it counts to me. Okay. But I want to hear the baseball. <laughs> uh, the con- the Kinsaka rookie card. What is your favorite vegetable? Uh, I like broccoli, but probably corn. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> corn is probably that's the one I would like the best. What is your second favorite color? Uh, navy blue. What is your favorite wood for a baseball bat? Hmm. Whatever one toothpick used for the last bat that he made for me. <laughs> I got to ask him. Mr. Uh, toothpick Nets makes my bat. So <laughs> I forgot what he used. Whatever he used, it worked well when we went out west. So I'll, I'll, I'll say whatever he used. <laughs> Next question. Are we alone? Are we alone? Well, I do. I've got my son sitting next to me, so I've got that. You're talking that's, about that's not what I mean. That kind of stuff. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm talking about in the in the universe. Are we alone? Boy, I sure hope not. <laughs> there are some strange people that make me question: Are they alien or not? I teach them every single day. They stare at me uh, every morning. So, <laughs> how's that? <laughs> uh, who is your most Hated Major League Baseball player. Most hated Major League Baseball. Oh, uh, Altuve. Not even close. Oh, good one. <laughs> uh, who Who was your favorite Muppet? Favorite Muppet, Kermit. I believe uh, for Halloween you dressed up like Rocky. Am I right? Many times. <laughs> what my is, boys just did it this past year. What is the last costume you wore on Halloween that wasn't Rocky related? Probably Hulk Hogan related. Oh, nice. <laughs> what is, where have you gotten the best Philly cheesesteak while you're in Philadelphia? Just this, just this past uh, weekend, we went to a place called Sonny's, which is not far from um, the Liberty Bell. And uh, from Independence Hall, it's right down the road. So a friend of mine who's a big uh, food connoisseur, we've tried a bunch in Philly. We've done Pat's and Gino's. This one, by far, that, this was the best one I've had. So this was great. Uh, tell us your perfect pizza. Oof. Uh, we've tried 
we're big fans of uh, the guy that does Dave Portnoy, who does the Barstool Pizza Reviews. So as part of our Atlantic trips, we've gone to some of his highest rated pizza places. So we've done John's of Bleecker. So I like crispy crust, but I, I'm a sausage guy. I like sausage. But I, oh, I, I apologize. All right. Here's my favorite slice of all time. The place called Prince Street Pizza. And they've got something called the Spicy Spring. And they have that pepperoni that cups up. It's got a Fra Diablo sauce, so it's got a little kick to it. And it's a square slice. That's my favorite slice of all time. And finally, give us your Mount Rushmore of New York Yankees. Oh, it's tough not to go with... Uh, Ruth, Gehrig, DiMaggio. Mickey Mantle is, is probably the fourth, but he's not my favorite for some reason. I think I, it's because my grandpa always used to give me stories of Joe DiMaggio. And for whatever reason, my grandpa never liked Mickey Mantle. I don't know why, <laughs> but he used to hold a grudge against Mickey Mantle. I think because he was the up and coming guy and DiMaggio had to give up his spot to him, you know. So, uh, but I, I, you can't argue with those four. But I do love Mariano Rivera. So, you know, I, I love him, but he doesn't come close to that top four. Those are the top four. Yeah, no mention of Derek Jeter in there. Uh, Rudy, <laughs> do you have any parting words for Matt before we let most of the, the world go? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> it has been, this just confirms that you know, I have not met an Atlantic uh, baseball player, uh, you know, that I just don't immediately take a liking to. And Matt, it has been a pleasure to get to know you, to get to talk to you. And I mean, this is just, I mean, I've, this has been one of my favorite episodes. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you so much. It was an honor talking to you as well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. All right, Rudy, you can go home. All right, listen. No, but let me just say this. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel and you want to see this love fest continue, hop on over, download the podcast episode, listen to it. But I got my eyes on you. He's mine, Matt. All right. Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't like what's going on. Here, <laughs> All right. So for seventy-five percent of the people goodbye to the episode and to the 25% that are sticking around. Matt, have you heard the T-Pain version of this song? Terrible. (laughs) Do you like it? I just like it. I love the old version naturally, but I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, he just did it for money. He's, he said he doesn't even my, like the my Miami boy, Dolphins. So my boys like that version, but it's any version is good as long as they're scoring touchdowns and you're hearing that it's all good. Uh, absolutely. So where do we start this off? I think we should talk about Tua, don't you? I'd like to know what you well, think about Tua. So this year he's been. Phenomenal. However, watching these games, I get anxiety because he, you know, just last week with those two picks, the pick six that he threw, I'm like, ah, what are you doing? You know, (laughs) you just want them to have that game where, I mean, the game against the Broncos was, I don't 
don't ever remember a game like that where I was just relaxed for 60 <laughs> minutes watching them play, <laughs> where I literally just had my feet up. and was like, I, I was like, I, I couldn't believe they scored on every drive. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I like him. I like him a lot. However, I, you know, I'm still skeptical, but they, they surprised me yesterday because, uh, not yet. Was it yes, was yesterday? Yes, there we go. I'm losing track of the days of the week. Uh, yesterday, we were watching that game. Uh, I have the YouTube TV on my phone while waiting for the cheesesteaks to cook. <laughs> I'm watching along, and I thought for sure with the weather, because in Tennessee, that, what was it, the season before when they played, when they struggled with the weather, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is going to be the game where. I thought they'd slip up in this stretch where they should win these games. I said, this could be the slip up with the weather. And, and they played phenomenal yesterday. So uh, jury's still out. Let's see how they do with that stretch with the Cowboys, Baltimore, and Buffalo final stretch. Yeah. Uh, so Tua, to me, uh, I knew they were going to draft him. The whole tank for Tua was for real. And so yep. when so when they drafted him, I was not bothered by it. It was expected. I was like, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. This is what we're doing, so let's go with it. I will hearken back to a time when Ryan Tannehill was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, Yeah, and I turned off the TV, I threw something against the wall, and I stopped watching the draft. I was done at that point. Uh, And uh, I turned out to be right about Ryan Tannehill. (laughs) But uh, uh, to – I'm scared that Tua is a system quarterback. I don't see him doing much against good teams. Uh, those those outs that you're referring to where he's throwing pick sixes, his arm isn't strong enough to be throwing that out. No. I don't know why that's no. in the in the the play calling. Uh, he they talk about how he's getting the ball out quick. It's because it's because the coach is telling him where to throw it, and he is accurate. That's his number one attribute is yep. he's accurate. So if you have a quarterback that's – I have a feeling he's just average, it, and we can't see it right now. But he's snapping it. He's throwing it to his first or second receiver, usually first because he's getting rid of the ball so quick. And when you're accurate and you have those receivers who can get – separation almost immediately uh i think he looks good but he definitely does things that i think i think uh he's falling in love with tyreek hill and i don't want to see that well i'm i'm a little like watching them this season uh worried about waddle i'm like why is he not he got what like seven eight touchdowns last season this year no his yards that's really, they're, they're getting up there, but like, I feel like they went to Waddle a lot more. And like you said, he's forcing the ball to Tyreek, so he's got to be careful because I, I get nervous every time. It seems like every game Hill limps to the sidelines and gets you freaking out because like, if he's gone, that's like deflating the balloon. What is going to happen to this offense if, if he's not in there? But I will say this. When he went out last season to us, you know, there's no doubt how valuable he is to the team because they just fell apart with Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. I mean, but I only awful. imagine if they would have had him. Oh, <laughs> they are awful. If, if they would have had him in that playoff game for Buffalo, 
I mean, I, I went into that with no faith, no faith that they were going to pull that off. So, <laughs> and they surprised me pleasantly. So, you uh, know, but that last stretch last season was rough too. Yeah. When they lost, what they won three, lost three, won five, lost five. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement with Dolphins fans this year. And whenever I talk to them, I always say, hey, let's slow down, okay? Let's play a playoff game with a starting quarterback, which we haven't done the last two times we've been in the playoffs. No. Oh. And uh, let's just do that first. Let's accomplish that uh, before we even think. Uh, I don't think – I don't. we're not good enough. I don't think we're a good team. I just think that we're – I think there's two tiers of football teams, and I think we're at the bottom of the top tier. Like we don't have a problem with all the bad teams, but I, I haven't been impressed with us against any good teams. I still think the Buffalo well, Bills are going to win the division and are better than us. I am. I don't know if it's fear. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's fear, and all this, all these years are not allowing me to think differently. But I can't help but think the Bills are better than us. Yeah, it's it's tough to knock the Bills because they've owned us. Other than last year when the Heat beat them really more than the yes. Dolphins beat them. Um, but yeah, I'm fearful of that game. But the one thing I will say is that it'll be a different game because Milano's not there, and he fe- put fear in me like no other player. When he that let, I mean, what he did to Mike White when White was with the Jets, he broke him in half. I was always fearful that Tua would get that one hit and then that would be the – we'd be doing the concussion thing and and then the season would be lost. But so far, knock on wood, he's uh, he's healthy and let's just hope he makes it to that, that game. Let's hope that that game's a non-factor and they can rest guys, you know. Oh I would love God. it if they have a first-round bye, but we- you, you, I'm sure, are as jaded as I am we've become kind of numb to the mediocrity of the last 20 years since Dan retired that, uh, you know, I I was a a colleague of mine. I wore, I have a dolphin pair of sneakers and on Friday they had the Jersey. He's like, Oh, dolphin fan. Are you a bandwagon fan? I'm like, I wanted to say, guy, you have no idea. The pain. (laughs) I said, I am not a bandwagon fan. I've uh, not talked to family members at parties when, you know, uh, losses have happened and, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, <laughs> I'm a tough person to be around during certain games. I, uh, I remember taking a road trip to Indianapolis for a Monday night football game to watch my mighty Miami dolphins and Dan Marino. And, uh, he tore his damn Achilles in that game. And oh. Scott Mitchell came in and finished that game off. And, oh my goodness! And then Scott Mitchell goes on to go to the Detroit Lions, where I'm a Detroit Lions supporter. I would I don't classify sure, myself as a fanatic, but I support them. And and he was putting up good numbers for a year or two here with the Lions, and then it just all fell apart. But uh, I was there for that injury, and uh, yeah, how did I want to know? I get this question a lot. So I finally get to ask this question to somebody else. How does somebody from New York become a Miami Dolphins fan? So when I was speaking about like my grandpa, 
Um, my, my mother's father and I had the connection, World War II veteran, but not only that, he was a Yankee fan. He was the DiMaggio guy. And uh, for whatever reason, he loved Italian-American athletes, you know? So Marino was the guy. He had um, actually seen the Dolphins. He was in New Orleans to see a concert. And uh, so Marino getting off the team bus and he had always loved Don Shula. And since the Dolphins came into the league, he was a Dolphins fan. And um, I guess I've been indoctrinated by him, you know, so he's, uh, he's the reason why Yankees and Dolphins, it's, uh, it's from him. So uh, as, as long as I could remember, you know, Marino and uh, you know, I, I'll never forget watching the fake spike game against the Jets, you know, with my brother on the couch, losing our minds. And then, Oh, the heartbreak of losing to the Bills in the AFC Championship games. But I will say this, the most heartbreaking loss of my entire Dolphins fandom was the Chargers game, uh, 94, the 75th anniversary season, when they had the lead at halftime. That was the year the Chargers ended up going to the Super Bowl. It was Marino's comeback from the Achilles that season. Natron Mean stepped out of bounds, and they they they, they called it a touchdown, and and they just sat on the ball the whole second half, and Stojanovic missed the field goal. It's like that loss to me was the most soul-crushing loss of any sports moment in my life. So I rank the Dolphins here, and the Yankees are here. So it's it's Dolphins is my is my team more than the Yankees. But <laughs> there's been so many soul soul-crushing moments with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, the one I think that affected me the most is their playoff loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars when oh. <laughs> when you knew it, you, it wasn't the fa- it wasn't just the fact that they got their asses pounded it was this is the end you know that was the end of that Dan Marino and you knew it was and yeah. uh yeah. even though uh that whole off season there were murmurs about him being a Minnesota Viking, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like he just he can't. He's got his legs are no. toast. He's got nothing left. I mean He it, had the pinched nerve in his neck too, right? So he couldn't throw it was his velocity yeah. was off. And, that was uh and yeah. with that game, I went skiing that day, which I wouldn't have gone skiing if like it just it, it had lined up where that was the day. And I was like, oh, the playoff game <laughs> falls on that day. you got to be kidding me. So I tried to record it, not talk to anybody. This was back before DVR, and try and just avoid it. But like an idiot, I've got a dolphin ski jacket on. Oh, no. And I'm on, I'm on the lift, and the guy's like, hey, buddy. Good. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, what's the score? And at that time, it was only fifty-two to seven. I'm like, I was like, ah, oh, you're joking. You're joking. There's no way, There's you, no way. that happened. <laughs> no way. I was like, no way. They weren't gonna lose by. I was like, come on, no. And then I got home to find out what sixty-two to seven, and I was like, thank God I missed it because I <laughs> that would have been rough. So I, yeah, that I could imagine that that that's a bad one. That's a very bad. One. Yeah, I was at a bar with some friends, and I started drinking heavily. And uh, <laughs> it was a it was a daytime game, and uh, they had to carry me out, so to speak. I I had I had some some facilities when I left, but I really I was drinking to forget, and yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. I I didn't forget. Now, how did you become a Dolphins fan? Let me let me ask you how did how did you become a Dolphins fan? Because uh, at the age of 13, uh, 
Dan Marino was a senior at the University of Pitt, and he was a big deal, and all of his games were on CBS. So I just started getting into football the season before. Um, yes, because I believe the 49ers played the Bengals at the Silver Dome in the Super Bowl, 83. Mm-hmm. The uh, Yes. Okay, so... So that started bringing me in, and uh, every Saturday, the University of Pitt is on TV and Notre Dame. And it just it actually felt like they always played each other to me. I mean, it, they're, they're just always on TV. So I, Marino was just flinging it around, whooping everybody, and I'm like, well, that's my guy. And it didn't matter yeah. what team he was going to, and I kept hearing Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and the Kansas city chiefs pick came and I'm like, well, this is where Dan's going. And it was Todd Blackledge. And I'm like, Whoa, 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 Hey, Whoa, Whoa. What's going on here? I don't even know who Todd Blackledge is. I believe he went to Penn state. (laughs) Obviously I know who he is now, but, uh, wasn't a name I was quite familiar with at the time. And then he went to the dolphins and, uh, as legend goes, uh, they didn't like Dan's attitude, which, yeah. They were right. I mean, he does have a bad attitude. Has always yeah. had a bad attitude. But it wasn't it wasn't um what they say nowadays as a bad attitude. You know, it's a completely different generation. He was just competitive. Right. Uh, super competitive. Ultra comp- yelling at offensive linemen, receivers, everything, you know. But wasn't the drugs also part of why he slipped? Wasn't there uh rumors of him with 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 some kind of was it marijuana or something like that? I forget. I've never heard that. Uh, I've only heard he had attitude problems. Uh, yeah, according it, to. Did you ever watch the Thirty for Thirty with Marino and Elway? Did you see that? No. ESPN has it. Oh, it's spectacular! They they have because the same agent that represents Elway also represents Marino, and they detail the whole draft. If you have ESPN Plus, you can. Oh, find you know it. what? Um, I think I did see that. I'm going to have to revisit it though, just in case I didn't. Yeah. Now it's, now but they it's talk about to... like when, when the Steelers pick comes up and how he was crushed, he thought he was going to go to his hometown team. And then eventually the Dolphins pick came up and Shula's like, Nope, go and get him." And the rest they say is history. So <laughs> then, so then Marino, he doesn't start his first season. He gets put in about halfway through the season. Uh, and then he yep. makes, and then uh, the next thing he does is he makes a Super Bowl, and I'm like, "Well, look at this! Uh, I'm going to be a Dolphins fan, and uh, we're going to have nothing but riches of victories and Super Bowls." <laughs> and I'm going to, if you gonna... would have only known that, <laughs> <laughs> that and, that was going to be it, and that was it. That was <laughs> the highlight, and it was painful victory. Uh, we, I believe, as Miami Dolphins fans of a certain age, and I'm a little bit older than you, but we're we're kind of close. That when you say who is the Dolphins' number one nemesis in their division, I have to say all of them. All of them are because they've all at different at different points in time. One of them was the thorn in the side. Every no matter what, whether it be Buffalo, the Jim Kelly years. The Jets years, you know, uh, the 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 uh, and then the Patriots, of course. Which 
we always seem to have during the Brady years, and thank God we're now past that. How refreshing is this, by the way, that the Pats are losing and Belichick is not getting close to Shula's record, which makes me so happy. But, uh, uh, I love it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But like we still, you know, we we would always give them a loss from here and then, you know. So it was uh, those were always nice times. But yeah, they're all they're all even the Indianapolis Colts when they were all back in the division for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Before they 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 redid the conference line. <laughs> the uh we talked about we've talked a lot of negative and we've talked about our worst memories and stuff like that but i want to go back to my favorite memory uh and it's somewhat recent i was sitting at a tampa bay buccaneers new orleans saints football game in tampa bay in the rain when i got notified because I had been watching my phone and the Dolphins were playing the New England Patriots in Miami. And that game was over. For all intents and purposes, that game was over. Stopped looking at my phone. Then uh, it comes up on the scoreboard there in Tampa Bay. And uh, I get notified of the score as they start the video of the play. And, of course, we're talking about the the kickoff return <laughs> that got moved around a bunch and Kenyon Drake then makes a couple of moves they had Gron- oh the miracle the miracle the, in Miami the yep. miracle in Miami and Gronkowski was back there at oh. the goal I don't know why and that didn't make any sense but <laughs> that uh that they show the video I'm getting the notification I'm standing up and I'm hooting and hollering and there's nothing going on in the football game. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. going on. There's no play. Everybody's looking at you. <laughs> and I'm like, the Dolphins won. The Dolphins won. And, uh, yep. and I only wish that I saw it live instead of hearing about it after moments after, but still, uh, I miss that one. But yeah, we, we used to watch cause I, I, Sunday ticket. I told my wife when we bought our house, we were living in an apartment when we first got married. We bought a house. I said we couldn't get the dish at the apartment. So I was like, we are getting a satellite dish. I'm getting direct TV. And I'm sorry because going to the sports bars every week, it adds up buying wings and all this other stuff. I said, spending 50 bucks a week. I said, let's get the te- Let's get the package. It'll even out in the end. And, uh, if we were at church and we got back late, I remember I'd have to start the game maybe a half hour later. And sometimes I wasn't always caught up. So I had a rule with everybody. Like no one's answering the phone. No one's taking a phone call. No one's checking their emails, nothing. And my, my wife got a FaceTime call for that game. And we were probably like five minutes behind, uh, behind where the live game was. And I'm like, you better take that phone call in the next room. And I was just miserable, like sitting there with my son, just like they had the throwbacks on. They looked fantastic that week because, you know, like just that jersey combination. I'm hoping Monday night they break out the aqua finally for the first time this year, you know. And uh, so I'm like, I just can't believe this is happening. They were like so close. And then watching it with my son, uh, we just went, we just lost our minds. We just lost our minds. And, and like my wife, my, my father-in-law mouthed to my wife because he knew the rules with not saying anything. She, she, he says, they want, they want. And she, she knew, but she didn't say anything. 
because I could read her like a book. So she went out of the room because she knows. And I said, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty intense watching games with me. <laughs> My boys do some colorful things from time to time. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, that was a. Oh, Unbelievable. One of my favorite, one of my favorite YouTube videos that I watch whenever I want to be put in a good mood, is the video of that with the Titanic song behind it. Oh yes, yes, it's, yes, yes. I mean, I've seen a, 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 at least <laughs> at least on a loop. Yeah, oh, exactly. It, it yeah. is so amazing. Well, uh, let me ask you this then, because my my wife says, "Oh, if the you know if the Lions and Dolphins get into a Super Bowl, we can have this big Super Bowl party." I'm like, I'm. I'm not having a Super Bowl party. I no, nope. I I'm agree not, with you. I'm not going anywhere. No one's coming over. I don't even want to watch it yes. with you. Uh, I want to be in the basement alone <laughs> with the TV, and you guys should just leave because it's. I don't even know what's going to happen if the Dolphins yeah. were in the Super Bowl, let alone a playoff game. You know, and I'm going to experience that now. A playoff game that you think they have a chance to win, no matter who they play, and and everybody's healthy. If we're healthy, I think they can beat anybody. I don't know if they will, but I think they can, no. you know, and yes. I don't know how I'm going to act during the game, but I, I, no. I know I get pretty intense. My wife, it is not going to be safe for me to be around people. If they ever make it to a Super Bowl. I'm not going to be concerned about food. I'm not going to be, I, I'm just going to be a nervous wreck because if you remember, was it in 2008 was the Tony Sperano year when they played the Jets Sunday night football to win the division and give that speech with his jet play. He's like, oh, I love you guys. And then there was win and you win the division. That was on, was it on New Year's that game? W whatever it was, we had a family get together and people looked at me and I'm slamming a football on the ground. When Ted game caught the touchdown. <laughs> Like, what is wrong with him? I'm like, you all need to just leave me alone. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and they, they won that game. And it was like, woo, woo By the end of the party, everybody was rooting for the Dolphins. But, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> I, I can't be, I can't be around people that don't know me <laughs> for sure. Because they'll say, this guy's nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my friends, I don't have a single I don't have a single Miami Dolphin fan friend. And uh so whenever they're doing good, I'll get texts like, Hey, you know, that was amazing what they did to the Broncos and I'm like Yes, yes. Great. Let's see them do it against a good team. Let's see them beat yeah. a good team. Uh you know, it just wasn't the Broncos thing was not a big deal to me. Uh no. I like I said, I'm still I'm still on the fence about Tua. I don't know if he's good. Right, right. Well, he's gonna have his time coming up. You know what was weird though? Like all those games, they were on the road for all of those big matchups. There wasn't one home game that benefited them against any of those big teams yet. And even like I go back to that Baltimore game last that last last season, Baltimore. That was, by the way, one of the best wins ever because we oh, had yeah. to have my my sons. We did a debt, uh, that wasn't a dedication. We had some, was it baptism? Yeah, baptism. We had for my son. And my wife's like, we have to have the party on this day. We just can't push it forward any other day. I'm like, the Dolphins are playing playing the Ravens. I hate the Ravens. I'm like, I want to see this game. And 
the whole family's watching me be miserable for that whole first half. I was not talking to a soul. I had the phone in under my plate. I was hiding it. And uh, then that whole second half was, oh, doing the waddle and everything. And I, I just, it was, and then when they won, I was like, oh, my God, they won. They can't believe it. They won. Ice cream on me. Who wants ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was a great game. And uh, my wife is always amazed when I bust out the waddle. She doesn't see me do any sort of dancing or football (laughs) celebrating at all, except I'll bust out the waddle when it comes out. And uh, yes, yes. That's my, (laughs) my youngest uh, favorite player. They wanted, the oldest guy wanted a Tyreek jersey for Christmas. The youngest guy asked for a Waddle jersey. I said, absolutely. I got no problem. Like, uh, I always am hesitant to buy football jerseys. I said, I only own Marino. I got a Jason Taylor one, but I don't even really wear it that much. But it's like, Marino's the only jersey I've ever worn of a, of a Dolphin player. Because I think I got Tannehill, and I'm like, that got donated. <laughs> I've, always, I've always been very reserved. To, to buy jerseys for certain players, but the Tyreek has just been spectacular, and Waddle is just such a class act. We love him, so it's uh, they're fun guys to root for. Sure. So what I do with my Dolphins jersey is uh, I buy one of my current favorite player until he's gone from the team, and then I will buy a jersey of whoever is now my favorite player on the team. So, you know, okay, and I retire them to the rafters of my basement, so Marino. Oh, okay. Uh, Zach Thomas, uh, Cameron Wake is in there. Uh, Jason Taylor's yep. in there. Uh, and then here's a weird one for you. Uh, Devonte Parker is is in there. Oh. I really <laughs> thought he was gonna be something. I did. Oh, when he when he when he fell on draft day, I was texting my friends. It's like he's ours. He's ours. He fell into our lap you know, and thought it was going to revolutionize the team, you know, because we, that was uh, after the Mike Wallace years. And well, I'm glad, I'm glad I wasn't alone. Uh, yeah. And and then, uh, and then this year, uh, well, I haven't, I haven't gotten a Jersey from last year. I've been thinking, I've been waiting. It's been, I just don't know. It's, it has been so crazy for the last two years as a Dolphins fan. And I think I've settled on Van Ginkle. But now he might, he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, so, and they are spending so much money. I know. Yeah, and they're going to have to make it to a decision. Well, I think they um, already picked up his option, didn't they? Well, they got his rookie option. So this is the last year of that contract. They can franchise tag him next year but they'll most likely sign him to a long-term deal. I think financially it'll benefit him more because then they can backload the contract to create more space for next season. It's a whole, I'm, I listen, I stopped listening to New York sports talk radio guys a long time ago for my drive to work. And I'm strictly on dolphin podcasts and uh, whatever they talk dolphins. Cause it's, I don't need to hear about them. Talk about the Mets or the Knicks. I listen to the the Levitard show. Because they're in Miami. Okay. And I, and yeah, yeah. So every day they do like four hours of podcasting, but the first hour is always the local hour. So all they talk about is heat and dolphins. So I listen, uh, I listen to that. 
and that's a good time. So this is the year that Tua made over $20 million then, is what you're saying. Okay. So I was just off on a year. So I don't know. It's still a bargain. Do you a think there's a chance that the rest of the do you think there's a chance that Mike McDaniel thinks that he can use any quarterback in his system? Well, it's weird because look at what the Niners are doing with the the last pick in the draft. He's the highest rate passer in the league, and it's the same system. So I do think though. Like last year, McDaniel Thompson, right? I mean, because Teddy Bridgewater was. Oh, he's toast. That was just a wasted experiment. You know, he barely played in any game. Um, so <laughs> maybe the Minnesota game was. Well, like I the knew only what we were getting in Teddy Bridgewater because the season before that, he was the backup in Detroit. And I saw yeah, him and yeah. I'm like, this guy needs to retire. <laughs> There's nothing yeah, there. He, he just couldn't stay on the field. So. It seemed like the offense just didn't click with any of those other guys. So that system thing, like, could it be anybody? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think that there is a lot of, um, you know, you listen to this one, this one Dolphins, he was a beat writer for them. Uh, Omar Kelly does podcasts. And he says, like, you know, the RPO offense, too, is like the, the template of what RPO is supposed to look like and that, you know, what he was running in Alabama. Like this is the closest to an Alabama offense he's ever had in the NFL. And, and you're seeing it that maybe under this kind of thing, he can flourish. So, you know, I do think there's talent there, but it, it certainly does help when you have the fastest two receivers in football on your team and the fastest running backs in the backfield on your team. And, you know, and it, 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 it's cool, but. And, uh, and it's a different team when Armstead while, uh, hobbles off the field too. It's a different team. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't think he's been healthy in a game yet. I think he plays hurt all no, the time. No. And I almost think they need, because he came out of this last game, they almost need to let him sit these next two weeks and get him right for the, the final stretch of the three, or if they clinch the division, Maybe consider letting him sit. I have to say, like the backup was it Kendall Lamb is the left has been coming into left tackle. Um, he's been he's been like admirable, admirable. Like they're getting the ball out fast, but when they were against the Chiefs pass rush, when they were against the Eagles pass rush, and that was just a different thing. And that's the kind of play they got to prepare themselves for. I do think though, with a second crack. Like, they were in that Eagles game. He threw that pick. And that was just like, ah. And then the Chiefs game, yeah, they had a receiver running wide open, and he couldn't get the snap. And now, to me, that's not on the center. That's on him. Oh. And that was like, yep. how do you not just you know, but doesn't? But isn't that the something. kind of thing that worries you? Is he was yeah. not – focused on getting that snap for whatever reason you delay a game you get a delay a game penalty on the first play of the game that was against the chiefs right was it the, the first play of the and game these, and these you and these you're coming out and like we said earlier these outs he doesn't have the arm strength for but he's throwing them i god i'm yeah that pass was it cedric wilson that was going deep in that game and he fell short by 30 yards with that pass they said, was it a miscommunication? I was like, oh, he missed that pass. Oh, 
Oh. Uh, that was an odd, an odd game with Tyreek fumbling, though, because even he did not play up to his standards, and that was just that was a heartbreaker. That one. Well, they'll have plenty more chances to prove themselves against a quality team, and I'll feel a lot better yeah. going into the playoffs if they can put up a decent performance against one of them uh, and get a win. Oh. It would do a lot for them. Oh my too. god. You know, mentally, absolutely. Want them mentally right to go into the absolutely. playoffs. So, are you watching the Hard Knocks series? Uh, I've never watched Hard Knocks, and uh, they talk about it on Levitard all the time. So I feel like I don't have to watch it because they're always talking about it because yeah. they're watching it. It's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, you know, McDaniel's is is uh, quirky, you know, and then they show Tyreek Hill and. And then they had uh, the last episode was a lot on on Jalen Phillips. Uh, you know, they covered him, and then it was like, did they know he was going to tear his Achilles? Because uh, it seemed like they knew where that episode was going, and he tore his Achilles on that play. Like, oh my god, just felt so bad for him. But Van Ginkle, <laughs> you know, if if he keeps playing this way, you know, we're not going to miss uh, Phillips too much. So let's hope absolutely. that Van Ginkle is the is the guy. Well, hey, Matt, I'm going to let you go. Uh, dude, thanks so much for this. This was so oh. much fun. Uh, we have so much in common. I, I just love talking to you. I don't have a lot uh, of these kind likewise. of friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> likewise. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored that two have been asked. This was, uh, this was fantastic. And I'll, uh, I'll send you the link uh, later tonight. Send it. We just ask uh, everybody that appears on the show if they can just share it on their social media so everybody sees. Oh, of course. Sees it. Yeah, share and, it with my teammates, and I, I'm going for the Pirates record. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try. It would be I an accomplishment. He's, he's, a good, he, he's, a, he's a good guy. He certainly yeah. is. Mr. Canino is him yeah. and his twisted T. Uh, <laughs> so we did so we didn't meet at the old uh old beth page uh the doc adams festival. i was there i was there i forget two years ago maybe were you there both days or were you yeah. there just one and i was set up i, I was in a tent yeah right at the main <clears> field <throat> there uh interviewing i know people that they always play have us playing play playing at the other field a lot that oh, day yeah because i don't remember maybe i don't yeah. well there was one game for sure that you guys played because jimmy hit the damn house in right field oh yes 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 <laughs> yes yes he did yes he did <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah so that, that was, was incredible that was like leave it yeah i think was that the game did the canton team come up yes for that with, with yeah we play, we played them at the other field that was uh, uh that was one of our we love playing against you know like when we can get a super competitive game it's it, there's nothing like a good intense vintage baseball game especially when you have good people involved with it and not the hotheads that make it not fun and make it feel like slow pitch softball And you guys don't don't get the chance to play a team you've never seen before very often. We play a lot of the same teams, um, like the Mutuals, for example. We we see so often, and 
you know, the teams in Connecticut, we see a lot, the teams in Jersey, we see a lot, but lately, like this last trip to Minnesota, we saw, we played, um, we did two games at Field of Dreams, but that was against the same teams. Then we played three one day on the Saturday and then two. So we played five total games. We did like a round robin deal. And we got to play every team in Minnesota that came to visit us. And that was – so, yeah, just getting to see all the I, – I love just seeing all the different styles of vintage baseball, you know. And it was kind of interesting because Dean would tell me that a lot of the guys – use different rules out west like there's like uh debates about steals and stuff like that and like seeing some of those guys that weren't used to the stealing playing against us and like where we were taking bases and i was like why aren't they going why are they just not used to it they just don't do it all <laughs> that's often, right you know <laughs> yeah yeah M- so midwest midwest vintage is uh it's not the same it's uh and i had my first bratwurst this summer your first bratwurst ever ever i'm a a big hot dog guy never had a brat (laughs) for whatever reason i just and they cooked it at the field in minnesota for us and i was it was in heaven i was like either i was so hungry or it was but it was on the grill the guys that hosted the event that was uh spectacular so it was great it was unbelievable the name of this episode is going to be Yo Adrian, I did it. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm writing that down. Uh, all right, thanks, Matt. There you, go. you have a you have a good night. Uh, you have a great holiday. And, yes, you uh, too. Yes. And I'll be uh, I'll be sending you this, and then in the future I'll be sharing my Miami Dolphin notes with you. <laughs> God bless. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. I'm honored. Thank you again. Absolutely. All righty. Have a good night. Good night, everybody.